Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Amen. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem... By the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. In these, in the five porches, lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Somebody that's impotent means that they're sick to the place where they seemingly can't help themselves. Amen. Somebody say amen. Of blind, halt, withered. What are they doing there? They're waiting. Let me say they're waiting for the moving of the water. Amen. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Somebody say, wow. And a certain man was there. I like how the Bible singles people out. The scripture. Amen. How many know there were a lot of sick folks at that at that pool waiting for the moving of the water. But there was a certain man there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Somebody say that's a long time. That's almost as long as I've been alive. Almost. When Jesus saw him lie, or saw him lying there, the way that he was lying there, when he looked at him and saw him, he knew that he had been now a long time in that, in that case. Jesus said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Elbow your neighbor and ask him, Will you be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. He seemingly didn't even listen to his excuse. Amen. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath day. Amen. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Move when God moves. Amen. It's a principle in Scripture. We have to move 
when God is moving. Amen. How many, how many want to be in touch with when God is moving? And when God is moving, I want to be ready for everything that he wants to do. Somebody say amen. Lay your Bibles down. Lift your hands to the Lord right now just for a moment. Just pray to him one more time before we're seated. Everybody in the building, lift your voice. What do you need the Lord to do for you today? Amen. Will you be made whole? Will you receive all that God has for you? Come on, what do you need from God today, Lord? I pray, God, that you would minister. Lord, in this house, Lord, I pray that you would loose a ministering spirit to minister unto the heirs of salvation. Lord, do whatever needs done. Say whatever needs said, Lord. Move in whatever capacity that you deem necessary to bring your will to pass. Push us beyond ourselves today. Take us out of the natural and into the supernatural today. Utter your voice in this house, Lord. Speak your word, God. Let your anointing flow with unrestricted and unrestrained, without limitation, Lord. Let our eyes be eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to be understanding of your word. Cause us to receive. Oh, come on, purpose in your heart right now. I'm going to receive everything that you have for me today in Jesus name. Amen. Clap your hands one more time. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Are you ready to preach with me for a few moments? Prior to the 19th century A.D., due to the lack of archaeological evidence, the pull of Bethesda was considered to be a myth by some. It was uncovered in the 1800s and is now a primary evidence of the veracity of John's gospel. The history of the pool dates to the 8th century B.C., with improvements to it coming in the 2nd century B.C. and the mid-1st century A.D., it consists of five porches, just as the Bible says. That was a little excerpt that come out of my premier study Bible. Amen. The, 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 the stories that are talked about in the Bible or the Word of God, uh, they are not myths. Amen. We have to understand that they are, these are actual events that took place. John the Revelator, or John uh, the Beloved Disciple, as some called him, he called himself in his own writings the disciple that Jesus loved. Amen. How many know that was his own estimation of who he was to the Lord? When Peter wrote his writings, he didn't call John the Beloved Disciple. Amen. In fact, when Peter, when the Lord was telling Peter what he was going to suffer for the gospel's sake, he turned around and saw John following. He said, what about this dude? And he said, well, if he's to live until I come, what is that to you? What is that to thee? Follow allow me. Amen. John was writing about the account or uh, the, uh, this account of the pull of Bethesda that happened where Jesus had an encounter with a man that had been, that had been sick for 38 years. Amen. He's very descriptive in, in his talking about this incident. Amen. There was a pool in, in the Hebrew tongue. It was called Bethesda. Bethesda means the house of mercy. 
Amen. And so, uh, in a certain season, an angel would come down and trouble the water at the pool. And the sick folk would lay under the porches and they would race to the water to see who could get there first because the very first one to step in the water would get healed by the troubling of the water. Amen. No doubt that the, the troubling of the water was, was uh, due to something miraculous or something supernatural because whatever sickness or disease they had, the moment that they stepped in the water, they were made whole. They were made perfectly sound of their plague. Amen. Now, I don't know how any of this started. I don't know where it began. Amen. It doesn't say. It doesn't say how long that it happened this way. Uh, I believe by reading the story, why would there be five porches built there around a pool unless it was built to house somebody? Amen. I believe at some point somebody was made whole by the troubling of the water and then they begin, all the sick folk begin to make their way down to the pool in order to try and get a miracle. And as the sick folk lay there out exposed to the weather and all that, no doubt somebody at some point said we better build something to house these people so that we can give them a more comfortable stay as they're waiting for the troubling of the water. Amen. How many know that, that, that sometimes we build churches around a move of God? Amen. There's times the church has been built to house the people that are waiting for the moving of the water. Come on, somebody. Amen. There was, a, uh, there was, a, there was no shortage of sick people. Amen. How many know there's no shortage of sick folks? Go out to the hospital. Go to Columbus and go to some of these hospitals where people are battling affliction and battling disease and struggling to live from one day to the next. Amen. This world is filled with people that need a touch, people that need healing, people that are sick. There was a, the Bible says, or John in his writing, he says that there was a multitude. Amen. Somebody say a multitude. A multitude of sick folks. Laying under these porches, waiting for the troubling of the water. Amen. They came from near and far. Amen. No doubt someone had heard about uh, the miraculous moving of the water from far off. And they had made the journey to try to be there in the season that the water was troubled. Amen. But it doesn't say that there was a specific day or a specific time that the water was troubled. It just says that there was a certain season that the water would be troubled. Amen. How many know that if there's a season that the water's going to be troubled and you don't know when the water's going to be troubled, you have to be ready at all time. Amen. You have to be prepared at every moment to move when the water's troubled. Somebody say amen. A multitude of people laying at the pool of Bethesda, sick, some blind, some halt, some paralyzed, some crippled, withered, some part of their body had been withered. What does that mean, withered? It means that it's shriveled up. 
And it's no longer a useful part of their life. How many know that when somebody begins to be, get ill or sick or a part of their body begins to not work properly, that it is human nature to sit back and not that part of your body because it hurts too much. But the, the less you use it, the more mobile it becomes. Come on. Or the less mobile it becomes. The less you move it, the, less, the more that you lay around, the more that you take your ease and idleness, the, the more withered that part of your body becomes. Uh, how many know that, that, that it's easier to lose muscle than gain muscle? I remember learning back in in college that if you, uh, I took a, a physical therapy class and, and they, they told us that it's, it takes, uh, six to eight times longer to gain muscle than to lose it. One week of inactivity. So let me say one week. You lose six to eight weeks of activity. Amen. If you're if you lay if you're ill or you lay around for a week straight and you don't get out of bed and you don't move your muscles and you just lay in the bed, guess what? There will be a day when you can't get out of the bed. Say amen. I remember when I was in the hospital. I was in the hospital for seven days. They got me up and they moved me to a rehabilitation center. And I thought, man, I, am I that bad off? Amen. Well, when I was in the rehabilitation center, guess what they started doing? <laughs> they started forcing me to get up and move around. And when I began to get up and move around, even after just seven days, I couldn't get up on my own. My body had been so traumatized and with the just laying around and not moving and barely eating, my body had dilapidated to a place where I couldn't do it myself. Come on, somebody. When you're in a lot of pain or you find yourself ill in some way, it's necessary for you to do what you can do. Come on. It's necessary. Now, I'm not just preaching to you spiritually today. I'm preaching to you physically. Amen. If, if you're hurting in your body, don't just lay around and prop your feet up. You need to get up and move. Get out in the sunshine. Get out in the fresh air and move your body. Somebody say move your body. Amen. Do what you can. I know that you won't be able to do a lot, but do what you can. Get up and move. Come on. Exercise those muscles. Exercise that heart rate. Come on. Get up and move. Somebody say get up and move. Bump your neighbor and tell him, quit laying around. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's good preaching. Amen. This COVID-19 mess, it's caused a lot of people to, to get idle. Amen. And there's people even watching online that, that has has uh, developed physical ailments from being trapped in the house and being fearful of going outside. How many know that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind? 
And I got the faith to believe that if I got to get out and work my job and I got to go about my business, uh, that no, no disease is going to get on me except that which is allowed. Come on, somebody. And if he's going to allow it, he's going to give me the strength to overcome it. I, I just believe that we need to get up and move. Somebody say, get up and move. An angel went down and troubled the water. Whatever, whoever first stepped in was made whole. Not daily, but in a certain season. Whatever first stepped in was made whole. The extent of the virtue was loose to the person that got there first. Amen. Somebody say first. This teaches us that we should... Observe and improve our opportunities that we don't miss a season that they may never return again. Somebody say amen. It, it, was a, it, was, it was said that whoever got there first, that meant that there had to be a readiness of whoever wanted what God had for them. There had to be a readiness to receive it. There had to be a readiness upon them to move whenever the water was troubled. There had to be a readiness of mind. Come on. There had to be a mindset on them that when the water is moving or troubled, I got to be ready to move. And so whatever I got to do to prepare myself to get ready for the moving of the water, that's how I have to live. Come on. I have to live ready. I have to live prepared. I can't take one moment uh, for granted. I got to live in every moment ready to move when God is moving. Come on. I believe it teaches us a lesson that we can't sit back idle. Amen. We can't sit back idle and not ready to move when God is moving. Every time I step through the doors of the church, my, my prayer is, God, I want to move when you move. I want to be able to receive everything that you have for me. I want to be able in a state in my mind and in my spirit that I have a readiness to, to move and to operate in whatever capacity that you deem necessary. If you're drawing me to repentance, I want to have a readiness to follow my knees and repent in whatever area of my life that you're dealing with. If you're drawing me to receive of your spirit, I want to respond in every opportunity that you're giving me. Amen. I mean, no, the Bible says that now, let me say now, is the accepted time. That is the appointed time. Now, somebody say now. Now is the appointed time. Today, somebody say today. What's that mean? What's, what's now mean? It's in the moment. You know, all that we have is what we have right now. This is what we have. These are the moments that we are living in. 
I can't go back in the past. I can't change where I've been. I can't change the things that I've done. Lord knows I've tried. Lord knows I've, I've lost sleep over it. I've debated about it. I've tried to reach back into the pages of time and change those things and think about what I would have done different. But it doesn't matter how much sleep you lose or how much trouble you cause yourself trying to go back in your past and change it. You can't change it. Amen. You can't do anything to alter what's already be done. You need to turn off the rear view mirror and start looking through your windshield of your life and realize you have an opportunity today to change your future. Amen. Living in your past will only cause you to repeat your past. You need to step out of your past and into the right now. What can I do right now to prepare myself? What can I do right now to be better? What can I do right now to reach my destiny? What can I do in the moments that I'm living in to be 100% ready for what God has for me and what he's leading me into? Amen. Somebody say, I want to be ready. Amen. If he stirs me, I want to move. Somebody say, I want to move. The Bible tells us that this guy had been there in that state for a long time. Amen. 38 years. We complain about being sick for a day. Some of us were down sick one night and we're laying there acting like we're going to die. Men. My, my wife always picks at me because when, when she's sick, she's still got to do her duties, she says. Nobody waits on her when she's sick, but when I'm sick, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Mom? She's like, when you're sick, you act like you're dying. I got to wait on you hand and foot. Sometimes preaching's not that fun. Got to be transparent. Amen. We complain about a moment of sickness or a couple days of sickness and pain, but this guy was 38 years into this. Somebody say, that's a long time. Jesus looked at him. And he could tell by looking at him that he'd been there a long time. And so I asked myself, what was it about this guy that by looking at him, not to mention that uh, he knows all things and he can perceive the, the hearts of people, but just by looking at him, it says that he could tell he'd been there a long time. Amen. What was it about him? Think about it. That, that caused Jesus to be able to tell he had been there too long. I believe that his body language it was representative of somebody who thought that they would never get what they wanted from God. Amen. His position, okay, if you want to win a race, where do you try to get? You want to get in the front, right? Are y'all still sleeping? If you want to win a race, I remember the, the kids that we, we'd have them 
do foot races where they, we'd, I'd stand on one end and they'd get ready and I'd say, ready, set, go. And I'd race to see who could get there first. And they would be jockeying for position. You know, they'd be like, come here, Luke. Come here, Luke. You know what I mean. I'm going to race you to that back door. Set, go. <laughs> We're really going to race. Ready? No. Ready? Set, go. <laughs> I can't get him to run. <laughs> you can sit down. I'm just teasing. When you're when you're ready for something, you're ready you're ready to go, right? You're you're ready to run. You're if 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 you're waiting on for the moving of the water, you would be close to the pool, right? And the longer that he stayed there, no doubt, the longer that he was in that condition, the longer that he was in that state, his, his mindset began to change. It was the longevity of his circumstance that caused his mindset to change. After, after being close to, to, to getting it or being close to getting his miracle a couple times or failing or missing out of receiving all that God had for him after, after opportunities have been lost, lost and opportunities had been missed, his mindset began to change. He began to think that it was never going to happen for him because as his mindset began to change, his, his condition began to worse, worsen. Come on. As his mindset began to sicken, his, his bodily condition began to worsen. Amen. We have to understand the control our mind has sometimes over the way that we feel. Understand that if your mindset is messed up, that if you don't have the right mindset, then your position is going to be messed up. If you're not ready in your mind, you're not going to be ready in your body. If you're not ready in your mind, you're not going to be ready in your spirit. If there's not a readiness of mind, you're going to slip back in your position and miss out on your opportunity. Amen. He saw him by looking at him that he was out of position. Our position says a lot about our intentions. Wow. I, I mean, I, I want to, our position says a lot about our intentions. Can I ask you this morning, how close are you to the pool? Amen. Have you given up on getting your miracle? Have you given up on getting that what you need from the Lord? Have you have the missed opportunities been enough to drag you away from what God has for you? Amen. And if you're if you're moving away from the pool, you're moving in the wrong direction. Your mindset is slipping. Come on, your faith is waning. Amen. You're moving in the wrong direction. He had been in that state for a long time. I want to ask you today: Are you moving toward the water, or are you moving away from the water? Amen. It would tell you what your intentions are. Jesus asked him, will you be made whole? Hmm. 
Jesus was basically asking him, what are your intentions? Will you be made whole? The guy's sitting there, laying there. Uh, just woke up from a nap. Amen. Looking really comfortable. Amen. No doubt Jesus could tell by looking at him that he had accepted where he was at. I don't ever want to accept something that's not the will of God for my life. I don't care how long we stay in it. There should be a fight in us. Come on, to move beyond it, to get past it, to get better. I refuse to accept it. Amen. Somebody just needs to look in the mirror and say, I refuse to accept it. Amen. This is not going to be the rest of my life. I'm not going to struggle with this for the rest of my life. I refuse to accept it. God's got better things for my life. God's got better purposes for my life. Come on. So I'm preaching to somebody in this house today. This is not all life's ever going to be for me. I'm going to be more. My intention is to get healed. My intention is to get delivered. My intention is to be all that God has purposed for me to be. My intention is for me to be made tea totally free and set free from every chain of bondage, every stronghold, every generational curse, every failure from my past. It's God's will for me to move past it. But when he asked him, are you going to be made whole? Everything that Jesus does is purposeful. He wanted to ask the guy, can you explain to me, are you going to be healed today? Are you going to be made whole? What are your intentions here? Because when he was asked about his intentions, then he could take inventory of his actions. Amen. It's, it's true. Because do your actions dictate deliverance? Amen. Do your actions dictate uh, moving in the right direction? Do your actions dictate faith and believing that God's going to meet the need? Come on. Or do you keep moving away from the water? Somebody needs to ask themselves the question today. Uh, what are my intentions here? Uh, what, why am I here this morning? What is the purpose of me being by the pool? Come on. What is the purpose of me being here listening to the preaching? What are my intentions? Take an inventory this morning of your actions and ask yourself, what am I doing to make sure that I'm ready to receive when it's the season for me to get what God has for me? What am I doing? We put all the responsibility on God. We put it all on him. And we say, I'm just going to wait here until it comes to me. But Jesus is asking him a question so that he can begin to think about his position and his, his actions moving forward. Are you going to be made whole? Are you going to get what you need in the position that you're in? And the answer to that question is no. I'm not going to get it because I'm in the wrong position and I'm doing the wrong things. There needs to 
to be a change of mind. There needs to be something take place in your mind. I'm not going to do those things that lead me away from the pool, but I'm going to do those things that pull me closer to my miracle. Amen. Amen. It's God's will for you to get what you need, but you're not going to get it moving away from the pool. He's going to challenge your mindset. He's going to challenge your actions and what you're putting your hands to do and find out what your intentions are. I know it's hard. Elbow your neighbor and tell him, ask him, what are your intentions this morning? Jesus can tell by looking at you. So he can tell. He's not fooled. Amen. The man responds to the question. You know, this is, this is so true about humanity. Humans. We're all the same. When, when challenged with our position. When challenged with why things are going on, going the way they're going, we always have an excuse. Don't we? But it's never, we, it's never our own fault. <laughs> so, the way the man answers tells me the way that Jesus asked him the question was questioning his position and his actions. Because are you going to be made whole where you're at doing what you're doing? The guy says, well, when the waters are troubled, I have no man. That's his first response. I have, I have no man to help me, to put me in the water or in the pool. Somebody say, I have no man. I can't do it on my own. I have no man. Amen. But Jesus wasn't looking for him to do it on his own. What he was looking for is for him to position himself for the miracle. Right? I don't have anybody to help me get what I need. Amen. His presence at the pool said something of his intentions, but I'm not sure it was the totality of what was in his heart. His presence at the pool showed that he did want change in his life, but his words made excuse for not having change in his life. I have no man to put me in the pool. He wanted someone else to put more effort into his healing than he did. The responsibility was someone else's because of his state. Amen. He wanted someone else to care more about his healing and deliverance than he did. Come on. He wanted someone else to care more about his soul than he did. 
Come on. And his excuse was, nobody cares enough. Nobody's here. I don't have anybody. I'm all alone. I don't have anybody to help me. Every time I get ready to try to get in the pool, I can't get there because I don't have anybody to help me. He wanted someone else to care as much about his soul as he did. But I want to tell you this morning, no one should care more about your soul than you do. No one should care more about your healing than you do. No one should care more about your deliverance than you do. No one should care more about your family than you do. That's good preaching. Hey, man, we need to take responsibility of our actions and our inventory. Come on. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not somebody else's fault. I made the decisions I made, and I'm doing what I'm doing. It's not somebody else's fault that I haven't gotten from God what I need. Come on. It's not the preacher's fault. Well, if he just had the power of God, he would lay on his hands on me, and it would be gone. If he was anointed of God, then he would tell me what I needed to do, and it would be gone. But Jesus is challenging the the individual action. What are you doing? Where is your heart? Do you care as much about your healing as the preacher does? Do you care as much about your salvation as the preacher does? Do you care about your soul as much as the church does? Hey Amen. I tell you, Brother Terry, I, uh, there's been times where I, I felt like I care more about people than they care about themselves. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Dad? You care more about their families than they do. Come on, because you, you, you give them sound counsel. Amen. You pour your heart into them in prayer and trying to help them. Amen. And if they would just listen to sound counsel, the circumstance would shift and change. Amen. But they walk out the door and they go right back to doing what they did before. Amen. It's because you care more about their salvation than they do. They don't un even understand the danger that they're walking in or the things that they're dealing with. Am I preaching to somebody? This is not a game. The thief comes not, but for to steal, and kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. But the question is, who are you listening to? It's time that you take a personal interest in your own healing, in your own deliverance, in your own salvation. Come on. Come on, take a personal interest in your own life, in your own thought process, in the things you're putting your hand to do. It's not somebody else's fault. All I can do is what I can control. I'm going to control what I can control, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to purpose it toward the pool. I'm going to force it toward the pool. Every decision I make, every thought I think, everything I put my hand to do is going to be something that pulls me closer to my deliverance, that pulls me closer to my salvation. Clap your hands to the Lord. He's worthy. Elbow your neighbor. 
Tell them it's time for you to take a personal interest in your own life. else is going to care about you the way you should care about you. No one else is going to care about my family the way I care about my family. Nobody can pray for your children like you can pray for your children. Nobody else can pray for your situation like you can pray for your situation. Somebody say amen. It's time that we take a personal interest, not just in our own salvation, but in our children's salvation. It matters. If we don't care about it, are they going to care about it? Amen. If they don't see us praying, are they going to pray? If they don't see us serving God and fulfilling the obedience of God's word in our lives, is that going to be of any interest to them in the future? Come on. I realize it's hard preaching this morning on a Sunday morning, but I would rather you be saved and have your feelings hurt than be lost and have to answer to God that I would hold back the word of God for your feelings. It's time. Now is the time. Somebody say, it's time. This first excuse was, I don't have anybody to help me. Amen. And God forbid that that's your excuse because that's just not true. But while I am coming... Another steppeth down before me. Amen. Which tells me that he had tried before and failed. Come on. Man, it's quiet in here. You just say you're listening. <laughs> You've tried before and failed. Amen. What was his reasoning for being in the position he was in? I don't have anybody to help me. And every time I got close, somebody got there before I did. Amen. Somebody, somebody stepped in the water right before I did. I put all the effort and the energy into getting there and positioning myself to get my healing. But when it was all was said and done, I didn't get what I needed from God. I tried many times and failed. He had failed to receive or miss the opportunity so many times that he started to think that the moving of the waters was meant for others, but not for him. Amen. He started to think that, that God cared about everybody else but him. 
Everybody else seemed to be getting what they needed except for him. Come on, somebody. Every time that he'd move close, put forth the effort and the energy, and then not get exactly what he needed from the Lord, he went away disappointed in thinking that the reason I'm not getting what I need is because I'm not purposed to get it. And he began to accept his position of being far away from the pool. He had totally given up on the mercy of God, but he had not given up on the mercy of God for other people. He was still at the pool. Amen. He, he didn't have any problem believing you could get your miracle. But just that he couldn't get his. Mm. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? It seems to be easy for other people, but for me it seems to be hard. And he enjoyed watching, I believe, those other people receive what they needed from God. Amen. And I think the only reason he stayed by the pool so that he could get a little bit of hope in his life of watching somebody else receive from God. It made him feel good on the inside because he could see somebody else get what they needed or he could hear someone else's testimony or he could hear, hear, hear the miracle that had happened and see the exuberance that it, that, that it produced by somebody receiving what they needed from God, having their ailments and their disease forgiven. And no doubt it built up a little bit of faith in his life. But then after a day or so, it went away and he forgot the miracle that had just happened. It, the miracle didn't produce faith for his situation. It just lifted up his spirits for a moment of time. And then he settled back into his dilapidated state emotionally, spiritually, and physically because he's never gotten what he needed from God. But I came to tell you today that God is no respecter of persons. You don't have to be the first into the water, but you do have to come with faith. And you got to be able to receive what the Lord has for you today. He's not forgotten about you. He still has a plan for your life. Amen. He enjoyed watching others being filled with the Holy Ghost. But at some point, he quit moving when the waters were troubled. And, and I want to tell you this morning, the Lord really dealt with me in prayer this week. There are people under the sound of my voice that when the when the God is moving and the Spirit of God is moving, you have gotten in a habit of staying where you're at. That's dangerous. Amen. Because when God is pulling on you, He can only do what we allow Him to do. And the resistance in you, hear me, is because you haven't gotten what you wanted to get in the moments that you sought for it. And so you've accepted the fact that you haven't gotten it. And you're, 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 you're happy with just being where you're at and watching other people get touched. But that's not the will of God for your life. That is not the will of God for your future. When you feel the pull of the Holy Ghost on your heart, that, what, that he's pulling you to him. He's pulling you to the waters. He's pulling you to your deliverance. He's pulling you to that outpouring of the Spirit of God. And it's our responsibility to be open to what God has for 
our lives. So when the water's troubled, when God is moving, when the, when the Holy Ghost is in operation, that is the moment that you need to move. That is the moment that you need to reach for God. That is the moment that you need to jump in the pool with both feet. I don't care if I'm first or not. I just want to get in the pool. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want what he has for me. Mm. What happens when, when we don't move when God moves? I'm telling you, this is a principle spiritually. You have to be willing to move when God is moving. Amen. When he says, go, it's time to go. Amen. When, when the Spirit of God is moving, he said, no man cometh to the Father except the Spirit draws him. And so the fact that the Spirit of God is pulling on you is an indication that God wants you for something. Come on. How many know he's beckoning for you? Have you ever felt that? You felt the pull of the Holy Ghost. You felt the, in the altar call, the Spirit of God moving. And, and we say, come on, uh, come on, respond to the word of the Lord. Get out of your seat. Run to this altar. You don't have to run. Get here. Amen. What is your intentions? Position yourself close to the pool. Get out. Step out in faith and reach for what God has for you. But every moment that he pulls on you, that you don't move, you're essentially taking a step backwards. You can't see it. You know, you might be sitting in the second row. I'm not talking about everybody in the second row. But you might be sitting in the first row. But spiritually, you could be in the parking lot. Come on. If your intention of coming in the building wasn't to get what you needed from God, Come on. Or to be open to the moving of the Spirit. Then you're moving away from God. Come on, somebody. It's God's intention to pull us close to Him. Amen. To pull us near Him. To beckon to us. To draw us close to Him. Amen. Just because you haven't gotten what you needed up to this point doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Come on. Just because the miracle hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Just because you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost to this point doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. But my heart is open. I'm still reaching for the Lord. And I want everything that He has for me. And I'm going to position myself to get it all. all around the building. You can come to the music. He said, after the man gave him all of his excuses, he didn't even know who he was talking to. He had no clue. He said, Rise. Now to us, that don't mean anything. To those of us that can do for ourselves. But for somebody that is in a condition 
where he hasn't moved for a long time. That's a pretty tall order. Rise. That means get up. He told the guy laying on the bed for 38 years to get up. Take up your bed. The moment Jesus spoke those words, the miracle was on him. Amen. It was there. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. Get up. Pick up what you've been laying on or resting on. Operate in normalcy of life. Operate like it's not there. There comes a time in your life where you got to want to carry that which you've been laying on. There comes a time in your life that thing you've been depending on, it's God's will for you to carry that thing. Amen. What does that mean? That meant the bed no longer had power over him. But he had the power over the bed. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. He spoke to the man's situation. Told him to do something that he could not do within himself. But when the man set his heart to obey the word of God, and to do what the Lord was asking him to do. Come on. Even though I know I can't do it on my own, the moment that he purposed in his mind, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. Guess what? How many know that he was healed immediately? Immediately. Immediately he was healed. It shouldn't take 30 years to get your deliverance. It's already on you. Amen. It's on you today. It's on you today. You got a purpose in your mind. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to walk in my deliverance. I'm going to walk in my healing. I'm going to walk in my purpose. I'm taking up my bed. I'm not making any more excuses. I'm responding to the word of the Lord. This is the first day of the rest of my life. My past is in the past. I'm not looking in the rearview mirror anymore. I'm moving forward. I'm moving with God. I'm going the direction. He has called me to go. I'm moving toward his purpose. Come on, lift your hands. Let there be a response of our spirit today. Let there be a prayer from our heart. God, I'm moving towards you. I'm moving towards you. I want to move when you move. I want to go where you're calling me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to take a personal interest in my own deliverance and my own salvation. I'm going to handle what I can handle. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. Just in you. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. You don't have the
the power to do it within myself. But I'm going to step out in it like it's already there. Man, I feel this this morning. I'm going to step out in it like it's already there. It's already been accomplished. He already paid the price for it. He's already spoken the word. He's already placed his hand upon you. He's already talked to you about your position. He's already talked to you about your mindset. Now it's time to step out and move towards God. Come on, when you step out this morning, I believe that you're going to be stepping into the miracle that you have, that God has purposed for you. The word is already on you this morning. Are you willing to step out? Are you willing to step up? Are you willing to walk in it? Come on, step out in it. I'm going to live right. I'm going to support my family. I'm going to live righteous. I'm going to live clean. I'm going to live a holy life. I'm going to be a separated vessel unto God. I'm going to fulfill the obedience of God's word in my life. I'm going to do it because that's what he's spoken over my life. That's what he's called me to do. And he's going to give me the power to perform it. He's going to give me the power to walk in it. The anointing to become it. The anointing to walk in it. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.